Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. heads to the desert. NASCAR's West Coast swing is on. First up, Vegas. And there's big news in IndyCar with the season set to begin in just over a week, and it involves qualifying for the Indy 500. We will talk about that. Plus, IMSA returns in two weeks with 12 hours of Sebring. We're going to be joined here in studio today by one of the series' top drivers. And Supercross takes over where NASCAR wrapped up last weekend. It's two wheels in Atlanta in the same stadium where the Super Bowl was just played. Welcome to NASCAR America. It's Thursday, and that does mean the 9.99 fajita special at Beefo Brady's. It also means you're in the motorsports hour. I know you just—I looked that up. That's awesome. The 60 right. minutes each week when you fill up on all things racing. See, fill up fajitas. Okay, here in Charlotte, I, I got it. AJ Allmendinger and Parker Kligerman. News right off the bat today, guys. In NASCAR, Kyle Busch resigns with Joe Gibbs Racing. His sponsor Mars back as well. Parker, I feel like the future is pretty solid. I think this guy's going to make it. Yet, yeah, you know, I, I mean, we've watched him for a while. He's won a lot of races, <laughs> but I think it's finally time that we start to get behind the Kyle Busch train a little bit. He's going to be around for a while. But uh, you know what? This is cool. Not only is it is it a shock, no, but the cool part of this is Mars coming back on board. You know, the time when we don't see many sponsors committing to full seasons or the length, the amount that Mars does for that 18 car, we see them re-upping for multi-year. That's really cool for the sport and good for Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the biggest takeaway is Mars coming back so I mean it's I, I don't see why they would change they kind of kind of got a good thing going so uh unfortunately for the competition that just means many more years of Kyle Busch yes that's why the most unfortunate part yeah is having yeah. to race against yeah him. <laughs> well we do have a guest today coming up in just a bit we'll be joined by a guy AJ has raced against in IMSA last year's Rolex 24 winner Joao Barbosa is going to be with us but first we're going to stick with NASCAR only two races in and we have seen some feuds you had uh, what, Logano McDowell at Daytona, yep. um, Larson versus Hendrick Motorsports this week. But the latest one making headlines was this past Sunday in Atlanta, Martin Truex and Ricky Stenhouse. out the 17 had a straightaway on all of me and he would he just wouldn't let me buy if leaders get within five car lengths of me i, I let him go and if truex was fast enough uh, and that much faster than me uh then he could have called us and uh if he would have called us and got within five car lengths i'd let him go you know generally when i have a faster car i just drive around the lap cars that, that i'm lapping so once i slipped up a little bit truex closed 
uh, within five car lengths, and, and I pulled almost on the apron down the back straightaway uh, to give him whatever lane he wanted and, uh, and slowed up for him. So no hugs for the driver of the, the little hug. I feel like those two go hand in hand. But I, you guys are drivers, so take it away. What do you think is, uh, I guess, proper protocol? I can see both points of view. But, you know, at, at the same point, Ricky is racing for something. And the bigger thing is he's not there to make friends. And that's I kind of like that. Whether it's right or wrong and some of the stuff that's happened on the super speedways, Ricky Stenhouse is out there making sure that he's racing his own race. You know, Martin... It, I can see at times when he gets frustrated with where cars not getting out of the way. Uh, I do think he overreacts sometimes. Last year at the Roval, I mean, Jimmy Johnson battling for the win, he made it seem like that he made the most dumb move ever on the planet going for a win. So it's one of those things that, yeah, you know, there's frustration there because you're trying to catch the leader, and, and but lap cars are a part of racing. They always will be, and we see Martin there getting mad after the race. I mean, you're going for a win. Like, it's... So I just think Martin Truex at times just gets so frustrated and just feels like cars should just move out of his way, no matter what, whether they're racing for positions or lap cars. But, you know, at the same point, if I was in this position, I'd probably be frustrated about it as well. I think you had a term for him. Would you call him earlier? A diva? Or? I didn't call him a diva. Oh, I, okay. I just I just said that it's at, he just makes it a point to want cars out of his way all the time. So There was a point when that team struggled and he was one of those cars. Yep. But like I said, if I'm in second place and the lap car won't get out of my way and I have a chance to go run Brad down, yeah, I'm going to be frustrated as well too. So I think another interesting part of this is, you know, I, I saw Jeff Burton uh, earlier this week talking about how we're kind of readjusting this package, right, in terms of what does it mean to have a, be affecting a car behind you. And, and Stanhouse said, when a car gets within five car lengths, I'm going to get out of the way. Well, now with this new package and how big the spoilers and everything and how big a hole they punch in the air, it's harder to get that close. So I can see where that Martin had a different point of view of, okay, you know, I need to be, I feel like I'm being affected even though I'm only 10 car lengths or I'm 10 car lengths back from that 17. But as you said, I like Stenhouse's attitude. And I like, this goes back to Daytona last year where he, you know, basically wrecked the entire field twice and then didn't apologize for it. He and Kyle Busch getting a feud. He said basically he didn't mind if he was getting lapped. Here he is wrecking basically the entire field. He, he was very confident that week. But you know what I've seen out of him? This, had, you know, a lot of drivers would have this kind of event, and then they would kind of go inside their shell a little bit. You know, you retract, not make the aggressive moves. But he continues to make these aggressive moves week after week, and especially on the Super Speedways. And he backs it up also the way he talks and saying, look, I'm not here to do anything other than win races, and I'm definitely not here to make friends, as you said. And I like that attitude out of Ricky Stenhouse. So uh, I think I don't think either one is right or wrong in this situation, but I just think what we're seeing out of Ricky Stenhouse is really cool because he's not, he's not really taking anything from anyone. He's saying, this is what I'm here to do, and I'm going to back it up. With this aero package, we're just going to see more of this conflict between drivers because yeah. guys are going to be on top of each other. There's going to be feuds because we're going to be side-by-side side or we're going to be nose-to-tail, and guys are just going to get frustrated with it. And as fans, that's what we want. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a good yeah. thing. It yeah. is a great thing. Yes. And we, we kind of stir the pot a oh, little yeah. bit right here. Oh, yeah. so, and, but if you were following on social media, there was sort of a, a light-hearted moment with all of this, and, and it involved um, our Steve Letarte, I know, is getting in on it. So walk us through this here, Parker. So, okay, so you have Steve Letarte saying, interesting discussion today on Twitter, when do you block or mute people. Ricky Stenhouse says, look, I've only, I've blocked no one, I've muted no one. Okay. But 
certain someone had a rebuttal that Dale Earnhardt Jr. comes on here with a screenshot that he says Martin Truex sent him where it shows that Ricky Stenhouse has blocked Martin Truex Jr. from seeing oh, his okay. Twitter profile. So, I mean, a little controversy here, right? I mean, one saying he's never done it. Another, who's he's obviously in a feud with right now, saying he's blocked on Twitter. Maybe, so, maybe one of Ricky's or blocked Martin Truex. Or exactly, or is, or is Dale stirring the pot a little bit? He yeah. says it's real, but who knows? Listen, Dale brought out the, I think the emoji was the monocle. Is that what you call it when you just have the? Yes. I've yeah. never used the monocle emoji, and I just noticed that's when you know it's serious. Is, that, is that it? I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. We mentioned Things Kyle Larson Hale calling out Hendrick, but on the track, it's been a disappointing start to the season for Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, looking at the numbers, none of the four drivers finishing in the top 14 last weekend. There you can see, I think it was Alex Bowman, the best at, at 15th, Jimmy Johnson, 24th. Parker, it's only two races into the season. Is it fair to even show this, like to show the, these numbers? I mean, we're what? I mean, we've had Daytona and Atlanta. Yeah, well, I think the big thing is, you know, at Atlanta, they obviously struggled not only for single car speed, which we saw in qualifying, we saw it in practice. And, and what the interesting thing to me was that a lot of us in the garage, I felt like saw their performance in practice and thought, okay, they've built a lot of uh, downforce in those cars. They're not going to be fast in a single car or a single lap, but they'll be faster in the long run. But we got in the race, and it just was not evident at all. I mean, here, if you want to know how bad the 48 was, I passed him on a long run on the same tire. So at that point, you know he's struggling, Wait, right, of course? I mean, I, I just retire. I, I think he's basically looking at you pass, I just retire. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure some similar things were said on the radio. So I, I think, you know, this was just glary or very – it showed that they didn't have the speed. They didn't have speed in the short – run they didn't have speed in the long run and that's what's worrisome because of this new package Atlanta is unique in that we probably won't run into this <laughs> I mean, but what I'm saying that's, that's pump the brakes a little bit Parker okay I mean, it's Daytona which means nothing when yep. it comes to performance and then it's Atlanta and it, it's a unique racetrack that's worn out we saw it setups are critical there why don't we get through like five or six races before we start doing this again? I feel like we is do that this. the baseline. You feel like five or six? five or because you, you you get to go to Atlanta, which is yeah, it's a mile and a half. You go to Vegas, that's a mile and a half. But they're two completely different mile and a half racetracks. Then you go to Phoenix. Yep. At some point, there's Martinsville in there. It, it's yep. it, we just need to pump the bread. We do this uh, every. I feel like every year it's like oh. Hendrick, I know, they, they didn't get a top 10. They're struggling. What's funny is now you're yeah. on this side of it. You know, yeah. Usually you're in the garage and you're like, I can't believe these media people are asking yeah. me these. So now it's, you're like, no, I understand. Yeah, they of course would want to run better, and should, but why don't we just wait for another four or five races? We get to all different types of racetracks. You go to Fontana. You just start to find out then where everybody really is. All right. So if in, in your – so I'm just going to give a little optimism, though. The 48 in testing at Vegas was very fast. And showed a lot ability to move through the pack very well. So we could see a turnaround, like you're saying, in the third race. And then this you is just, all for me. just pronounced her death, it seemed like. just He brought him back. Well, I mean, he, he got passed by me. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. I do want to point out the fajita special. Probably out of place today because 228, February 28th, the last day of the month. It's actually National Chili Day oh. and National Toast Day. Oh. I think those two kind of go hand in hand. Chili and toast? You like put your toast in chili, right? Something like that. I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know if that's how the days are determined. It's, I'm just trying to get us to break, mm, and that's what I have. It was the Monaco, or it was National <laughs> Chili Day. Next up, Joel Barbosa is going to save this show. He joins us live. We'll talk sports cars, Sebring, and surviving a trip around the track with his wife as the passenger. If you haven't seen the video, it is awesome. The NHL. 
NHL's biggest stars shine on Sunday at 12.30 on NBC. Nicholas Backstrom and the reigning Stanley Cup champion Capitals take on Chris Kreider and the Rangers. Then at 7.30 on NBCSN, Philip Forsberg and the Predators take on Ryan Suter and the Wild. Well, inside just gave me the opportunity to to race. Here come the brakes. Yeah, dynamites the brakes and tries to force him wide, tries to stay with him. Not going to be able to do it. And there goes Barbosa, and that's just pure launch out of the. A lot of people didn't believe a lot of what IMSA was doing initially, but the racing was great. Coming from Europe, everybody was talking about how great the races were to watch, and you know the level just kept. Raising, raising a lot and it gave me opportunity to, to race against the best drivers in the world with some of the best teams in the world. After all these years, I'm still here racing and doing what I love and uh, IMSA it's been, uh, I would say, like just uh, the most important part of my career. In the last few years, uh, that's where my career has been. That's where my heart has been. I couldn't be uh, in a better spot to race right now. Oh, we love that. So who is Joao Barbosa? The 43-year-old from Porto, Portugal, got his start in carts, but became a fixture in the sports car world. He and his Portuguese-speaking band of brothers, including Brazil's Christian Fittipaldi, won last year's Rolex 24 for Cadillac. There you see some of his numbers, a champion of sports car. And he joins us now here in the studio. Thank you for coming in. I know last here. month's 24-hour race didn't go according to plan. Sebring right around the corner. So give us an update kind of what you've been doing the last month since we last saw you in Daytona. Well, there was a lot to fix after Daytona. We were really a typical race for Action Express. The Cadillac usually runs super strong. And unfortunately, we had a electronic problem uh, with the car within four hours of the race. So we lost 15 laps right away. So we we're just uh, driving around to, to finish the race and get the most points we can because it's a long race. These points doesn't mean anything. You usually go to the 24 to, for the watch and to win the race. But it's important on a long run for the championship. So we just did the best we can to, to get to the end. So, I mean, really talking about Daytona and, and how different it is as a 24-hour race, what's the differences knowing it's just a 12-hour race at Sebring, but that place being so rough, it's technical, it's, it's hard, I think, physically to even drive the racetrack. So as a race team, as a driver to prepare for it, what are the biggest differences that you have to fight going into Sebring? I mean, usually uh, people say that if you last 12 hours in Sebring, you last 24 hours anywhere else. So, I mean, the preparation of the car needs to be spot on. It's a very bumpy track, very challenging. Um, also for the driver, you know, not only physically, but mentally, because you go through the dark, you get like the bumps, you get starts playing with your head a little bit, and then you have really tough competition for 12 hours. So it's going to be a great race. Uh, last year we had a really good Rolex 24, we won the race, we had a terrible Sebring 12, 12 hour race. So this year we had a not so good 24, <laughs> so hopefully we'll catch up on Sebring. Well I notice you're wearing the right watch right now. Is that one of the Rolexes from yes. Daytona? Of course, right? Of course. So, you know, one thing I noticed in that piece we saw at the beginning is how many different sports cars you've driven over the years. I mean, right now, we're, these DPIs, they were really fast at Daytona. We're setting some records. I mean, how do these cars compare to the things you've driven over the years in sports cars? And are we in a golden era speed-wise for these? I, th I think so. I mean, th these cars are the most technologically advanced that they're been in uh, IMSA right now. I mean, they're very fast. Um, very reliable uh, as well, but the, the problem with these cars is you cannot race them as hard as you could do in the old Grand Am days. 
Uh, they're a lot more aero-sensitive, so everything that happens in the car, if you break a little piston, it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. In the old days, it could r race really hard, bump a little bit, like AJ been there, so... <laughs> and uh, so we could race a, a very different way. Yeah. And now it's like we were talking about uh, before, like aero, it's very important, so it's very difficult to get really close to the guy in front, so there's a, the race strategy has changed quite a bit. Are they more physically demanding at all? Yes, they're very yeah. physical because the G-forces and the brake zones are really short and uh, the G's in, around the corner, it's really high, so it's uh, it's really fun. I can't complain. <laughs> you know, the faster, the better. 24 and 12 so hours. So, Parker, if you want to actually get in one of those, you might have to work out a little bit. A little bit more. Okay, got it. They're, they're got quite it. physical. I'll hit the gym. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. So being, so being over, I mean, you've been over in, in sports car racing now, you know, as it's changed from Grand Am yeah. to IMSA and all that for over 15 years, we just saw in the piece. You've won two championships. You've won the Rolex 24-hour race three times. Uh, you've won Sebring back in 2015. So with all that said, is there a certain moment that really stands out as is, is the peak of your career or, or just, uh, you know, what, what is the most defining moment in your career? I mean, I, the most defining moment of my career was when I moved to the U.S. In, uh, and I, I started racing with Brumos Racing at the time. And I was able to, to do some races with Hurley Haywood. Uh, and then I, I was probably at the right time at the, at the right spot usually it doesn't happen very often with me but that really happened uh, that's when early a would decide to retire from racing and i was there and they decided so why don't you just jump in on hurley seat and i was able to to do to do that uh, drive with jc france for a long time and then just you know relationships and the results start showing up and they asked me to continue and from brumos went to action express and i've been with them since 2010 which is a long long time yeah since they began right yes yeah, yeah. And you've been you've driven with so many different co-drivers, and we we notice you know you get F1 drivers that come over and IndyCar drivers and such. I mean, when you have those drivers come in and you're sort of the sports car guy, I mean, do you help them out? Do you learn things from them? I mean, how does that dynamic work with having all these different drivers you worked with over the years? It's very interesting because you're always learning. You know, it's like as a race car driver, you're always learning with your co-drivers. Um, you, you don't want to feel like you know everything because there's always something new to learn. You know, yeah. different cars bring different uh, experience to the car and you can always catch up on that. So, but it's very difficult, uh, very different to see Formula One drivers that they're very selfish and they just drive <laughs> for themselves. Yeah. When they have to share the car with the other two other guys, you know, driver changes and uh, make sure the car runs for 24 hours and not just an hour and a half. So it's a, it's a very different mentality and I can help them with that and they can help me with their experience from Formula One and I know their, their method of working and breaking and all that stuff we're always learning. So That's what it's like doing TV with AJ. He's very selfish. <laughs> well, the teammate, on the teammate aspect, the good thing, I mean, they're not in the car at the same time, but you did have a passenger with you in the car. At the same at, time, at the yes. same, Yeah, well, yeah. at one point. Yeah. And that got really interesting. You took, tell us about, you took your wife uh, in, a, in a what a two series was a, a yeah, prototype. It was a, a, a prototype, yes. Back uh, a few years ago, uh -huh. was was really funny experience. People, not, I think it was like maybe seven or seven years ago or something like that. And people still talk to me about that. Every race I go to, that, that <laughs> there there's, we go. there's something happens. Something. I was like, I love the video of your wife, and I mean, it's one of the best things I've seen. I always. <laughs> And my wife likes to talk, and she talks a lot, and she couldn't talk for like a day. So <laughs> we're gonna listen to see if we can hear her reaction. <laughs> so are you are you being hard on her at this point, or? I, I didn't take it super easy. I mean, we still hit a 186 mile an hour on the streets. Wow. So it's Daytona. This was mm -hmm. a Daytona racetrack, so it was pretty fun, and that was like coming really close to the wall on the on the NASCAR one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. So 
just to give him a good, I uh, give her a good idea of how the wall would be, you know. Yeah. Like, but it was like I was still pushing like 80 percent. I know the car wasn't the fastest one, but I was still pushing the car a little bit. But she. She had no fun, you know. Well, for, for folks at home, we do have her reaction, so we're going to go ahead and take <laughs> you back to that moment. she actually started talking to you again after that. It took like a full day. She was sick and she, was, she had trouble sleeping and she, she went through a rough time, but she, she got over it. So I love I, this. It was so funny, you know, it's like, it was a great experience. And the, the funny thing is like, she always asked me, I would love to go in the car like uh, with you just to see how it is. So, I mean, it's not like I made her do right. it. So she, she asked me to do it, so it wasn't really my fault. But. It was really funny. I, I love the expression, take me out of here. You know, it's like all hearts in the beginning and then it's just, I'm done with this, let's get out. New you know, respect like, for yeah. what you do. Yeah. And like you said, you continue to get asked about it yeah, today. Yeah, every race, there's like, uh, always a few people that come and ask me about, about my, if I'm going to do a, a take two of that, mm -hmm. but she, she's done with it. So. so what is a more common question, uh, that or how do you pronounce your first name? How did, how did we, Joao, how did we do? Uh, you're getting close. I'm getting, I know you said, yeah. when I, I was like, you always say, you're like, you're close, but. Yeah, it's, it, it's, I mean, people say it all kinds of, of ways and it's, uh, it's been going on since forever, so it's... it's but in, in Portugal, a very, or Brazil, no, a very yeah, common it's, name. it's a very common name, very common name, but I guess, like, the pronunciation is really hard. Yeah, for, we, for we did a little research. So. Here are some other oh. wows. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, you have, I mean, all sports, so yeah, it we... It seems like there's a really famous uh, uh, poker player that has exactly my first and last name, so I, I don't know. <laughs> wow, yeah, like, so... I, mean, I don't know how to play poker anyway, but it's... So there you go, some other famous Joao's. We have there other sports, reality YouTube television. Blogger. I don't You're know You're basically a YouTube is. star as well, so... Exactly. Yeah, that's true. I wish you have you up there to visit. <laughs> this is why I shortened my last name just to Dinger, because I couldn't pronounce it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody could, so... The same way. I get it. Well, Parker, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming in, spending uh, some time with us. Best be of luck thanks at Sebring and the rest me. of the yeah. season. Definitely. Awesome. It was awesome to be here. Thank you, Joao Barbosa. You can watch him uh, at Sebring right here on uh, the NBC platforms, NBCSN, the IMSA season. Coming up, we will shift gears back to NASCAR. Why are drivers using aggressive and insane? Uh, and these two aren't the only ones doing it. We're talking about a race setup they've yet to use at Vegas. And what do ducks have to do with it? Over 42 million tourists visit Las Vegas each year. This weekend, a huge majority of them will be wearing, oh, I don't know, Bush Beer, Dow, FedEx. Insert your favorite sponsor at will. Food Country USA, anyone? Woo! There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of things to do in Las Vegas, especially this weekend with NASCAR in town. And this weekend, Brad Kozlowski will honor the great Mark Donahue by carrying his helmet design. Kozlowski passed Donahue for most wins in Team Penske history last weekend at Atlanta. Really cool that he's honoring Mark. Also going throwback is Kurt Busch. His special paint scheme is based on the Star Nursery Chevy that he drove to his first NASCAR title. That was 20 years ago in the NASCAR Southwest Series. Which takes us to my home track as Kurt Busch returns home for the weekend. Look at him. One of the places where Kurt raced during his time on the Southwest Tour. The Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. This short track oval part of the Las Vegas Motor Speedway complex 
which hosts NASCAR this weekend, of course. Weekly NASCAR racing at the Bull Ring gets underway in just nine days. So there's always the, the seasons around the seasons. Yeah. You know, all the grassroots racing uh, really getting excited for their seasons to start. So we're going to talk about what we're going to see at Las Vegas. And really, it's, I mean, I know last week it was, all right, new package at Atlanta. So why is it such a big deal? We've seen the package before, but you guys talked about this is a whole different type of mile-and-a-half track. It is a totally different mile-and-a-half, and this is the full iteration of the new 2019 package. So it has the drag ducks. It has a different pan underneath. It has the large spoiler, the large splitter, and 550 horsepower. And the hope here, like we saw it testing this year. Oh, we actually have this here. We're going to show you that there's the larger spoiler okay. or splitter going on. And this is on the Xfinity car, but it's essentially the same thing. And then this is where the ducks go. It normally be brake ducks there. These are now drag ducks and they force the air out to the side create a bigger hole in the air so that the car behind maybe gets a bigger draft that's the whole intention of these drag ducks and what we've seen is that they do create a little bit of that like we saw the testing here back in january look at this three four wide guys are using the draft they're in the throttle a lot and this is what we're hoping to see this is kind of what i expect on the restarts and the reason i say this is because at atlanta a track that's worn out and multiple grooved we, I, I personally could go five, six, maybe even eight positions forward on a restart and then be in a pack of cars three and four wide and then slowly we'd sift back to where we kind of were speed-wise over the long run. But it was really interesting how you could use the draft even without the drag ducts to move through and really use, you know, have multiple lanes available. So if the temperature is right, I think we could see that kind of racing this weekend throughout the race. And I think that's going to be really interesting. It's possible. And, and as fans, we, we all hope for an entertaining race where they're side by side. I still think it, it just completely comes down to restarts. You know, no matter what aero package you have and no matter what type of race car, it's all forms of racing. Clean air is clean air. Yep. And if you get clean air, your car's going to handle better. So we're going to see restarts that are going to be really insane because every driver knows that if they can gain five or six spots on a restart, that's just going to put them in a faster pack of cars. And to me, it really depends on if the groove widens out, and that's really going to depend on if the cars are side by side. But if you get it where if the temperatures are cool and they can run wide open at a consistent pace and never really have to get off the throttle, then I still think we're going to get single file at times. And yeah, if your car's faster, you still might be able to make a move here or there. But Atlanta, the biggest thing was tires went away. Yep. And at times, we heard it in car. They had to get out of the throttle. They had to move around and still carry the momentum. At Vegas, if they're wide open still. I disagree, then, though. Well, we're going to find You're going to be on the racetrack. I, I disagree because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, look, here's Atlanta, the restarts. I mean, look what we're doing there. Three, four wide up at the front. This is craziness. I mean, I never thought we'd see that at Atlanta. And we did with the, this package, which didn't have the drag ducks. So go into a place that is probably going to be flat out by yourself, but in the pack, that means drafting will be all the more important. I seriously think if the temperatures are cool, we could be looking at something similar that we saw at the truck race about a year ago, which was where they were being able to pass the lead. They were in groups and packs, constantly you know, changing positions, using the draft. I think we could see a lot of that. If it's hot and slick, which I don't think it will be, then it might, you know, could kind of become a handling race. But I, I really think we're going to see something maybe that we've never seen before in a mile and a half race. Krista, once again, there's a lot of ifs. So. Yeah, well, we have a disagreement here. I'm we have be, to see what's going to happen. I'm going to be honest. At the very beginning, you lost me a little bit at the very beginning with ducks and spoilers. But I just want to know as a fan, if I'm sitting in the stands, 
why should I be so excited? Why should I get up from the roulette table, especially if I'm on a, was it a heater? A heater, a heater yeah, a heater. Yeah, heater. That's good. Yep. I can tell, but I have no idea. If I'm on a heater, why should I come out to the racetrack? Well, I've never been on see? one. You have to ask him. But the uh, I would say, for me, the reason being I don't be in that race is that, like I said before, you might see racing at a mile and a half like we've never seen before. And I think okay. I possibly believe that could happen. No doubt. There's still going to be tight racing. I mean, there's going to be nose-to-tail, side-by-side racing. Restarts are going to be crazy. But it's just a matter of, of, and we don't know until we see it, on if they can stay side-by-side. Side. And that's what I really want to watch is can cars stay side-by-side side and we have almost two rows deep throughout the pack. But it's going to be tighter than it's ever been in Vegas. Okay. It, no matter what. And that's what this aero package is set to do. That we can agree on. Yes. So go. let me throw out some names. Who, if I, again, who should I watch? Who is going to be, I mean, Brad Kozlowski comes in with momentum. Is that enough? Well, I think the momentum is helpful, but the thing I look at is that back to that testing that we saw, he was really fast at that test. He was able to get to the lead of the pack. He was able to kind of control the pack almost like he does at a super speedway. We obviously have seen a lot of speed out of the Fords at Atlanta, especially in single car speed and in qualifying. They were really fast. So I think that kind of bodes well for the two car and definitely for as Brad as someone to watch. Like That's someone I believe is going to be – He's a contender for the win. He's a contender to go two in a row here. And I think, would that be his fourth win in, at Vegas in multiple yeah, starts? I mean, I, so. You have a name. Kevin Harvick's going to be really good. But somebody that stands out to me is Clint Boyer. Because we saw on every practice session and qualifying up until really the, the last uh, st stage of qualifying where Eric Amarola stole the pole from him, that 14 car was fast every session. But Atlanta, it seemed like his tires didn't last as much as is other cars did so at vegas maybe where tires aren't as important does that 14 car have that continuous speed that it had like it did at atlanta so clint boyer i wouldn't call it a sleeper but if somebody out of the top five that you wouldn't really pick at first that would be my guys clint boyer and see what happens and i think the fours are just a great choice yeah. i mean they, they look to be really strong this new mustang looks to be really strong right off the bat which we haven't seen in recent years when in, when manufacturers introduce new cars but they have that, you know, Roush Yates horsepower. Yeah, that and doesn't, that doesn't I think hurt. that helps a lot in this package. <laughs> I think they've really nailed the 550 yeah. horsepower package. So uh, I think the Fords definitely, if this is a drafting race, they're the ones to watch. All right, so I'm putting my money on a 2, a 4, and a 14 at the tables. That would that's, be it. That's yeah. pretty and good. And 96. I'm on a heater. They, they, don't have, they don't have that on the roulette uh, Wait, table. yeah, that didn't, that didn't show up. Sorry. <laughs> I'm on a heater. Okay, see, I'm just going with the Vegas lingo. <laughs> Coming up, we will turn our attention to Supercross, where... Eli Tomac and Austin Forkner are riding high. A recap of last weekend's action from Detroit is next here on the Motorsports Hour. On March 9th, Monster Energy Supercross will be at Daytona International Speedway. Earlier this week, the dirt started going down in the Daytona Trioval. Nearly 7,000 tons of it will be used to create the track, which is designed by our own Ricky Carmichael. That is cool to see. Speaking of Ricky Carmichael, he was at Ford Field in Detroit for last weekend's event with Ralph Shaheen. Let's join them both for a recap of Round 8. Eli Tomac dominated the Triple Crown in the Motor City of Detroit, Michigan, taking the win in the first two main events of the night. When it came to main event number three, Tomac battled back from as far back as 14th to finish sixth to get the lowest point total and to win the overall. 
Telmac with eight beats the points leader in the season, Cooper Webb, by just one to take the big win in Detroit. Let's hear from the winner with Will Christian. Eli Tomac is with me now. Eli, you started off the night great. Two wins in the first two main events. The third one was a little tougher to come by. Talk us through that. Yeah, third moto. I mean, uh, of course, I had to make the thing interesting. Didn't get the greatest to start there. And was working my way up. And then I think it was somewhere around lap two or three. Did a little off-track off excursion there. Almost clipped a tough block. Actually, my second one on the night of just getting too close to those things. Uh, had to jump back on the track. Lost a few spots. Had to dig deep and uh, just was watching the pit board from Kranz. Um, you know, I, I knew I had, you know, a six-point buffer, so uh, got it done by one spot. Um, gosh, that was close, but uh, felt so much better, you know, this weekend on the motorcycle and uh, just looking forward to the, the rest of the rounds here. Eli went to the test track out in Southern California, found the comfort he was looking for, picked up three points in the championship, Ricky. It was a fantastic ride by Eli Tomac. No one was even in his level in his league. I mean, the guy was just so fast all night long. He made it close in the last main event. I'm like, oh, no, is he going to throw it away? But he pulled through. Great adjustments to his bike. He's on a roll. He's got to continue to put in performances and rides like that each weekend. He can't do it this weekend and then fall off next weekend. But his starts weren't great, and that's something he's going to have to work on. He won the first main event from 11th at the end of the first lap. He had fallen as far back as 14th in that third main event. So if he can prove those starts, who knows? He could go on a streak here and really start to click off some wins. Next up for the tour is Atlanta. Okay, so like Ricky said, I mean, Tomac can't really slow down. I mean, it's great. We want to celebrate his win, but it is such, such a great season. I mean, there's just so many guys that are sort of right yeah, there. Yeah, and, and really, he was dominant all, all night from practice through qualifying. In the first two main events, you know, as I said, he charged from 11th in the first main event and rode the lead and won the race. The third main event, and this is what we've seen out of Eli, it's a perfect example, is he just looks like he's spot on. All of a sudden, the third main event, he had a bad start and then compounded it by crashing. And at one point, I believe, was back to 14th or 15th. Cooper Webb, which actually surprised me because he was struggling all night, struggled on the first main event, got it together the second main event, got the whole shot in the third main event, and was actually leading. So Eli, with two minutes to go, really had to get back to sixth place to really get the overall win. But those are the rides. It seems like when Eli is on, there's nobody in his world of speed. But it's just very weird because at times, all of a sudden, he just falls off and he's just off that night and finishes out of the top five. And that's why he's really not the points leader right now. And it's what Cooper Webb is doing is taking a bad night, which looked like it could have been an easy fifth or sixth, and turn it into a second place, which almost got him the overall. So I'm going to call you our Supercross expert here over these days. I've got a question for you off that. You know, you talk about Eli making those mistakes. What do you think contributes to that? Is it stamina? Is it just it gets away from him? What do you see that make, let, allows him to make those mistakes? What contributes to it's, doing it's that? It's definitely not stamina. He's, I mean, all these guys are yeah. in such great shape, and, and he by far is one of the best ones in it. To me, it really comes down to is he's always just on full tilt, meaning he's at 100%. Yeah. And you've got to be with in, in Supercross to have the max speed. But it just seems like he's always right on the verge of kind of making that one little mistake and, and throwing it all away. And but, but as I said, when it when it comes down to if I had to pick one guy just on one night on raw speed, it's Eli Tomac. And you look at Ken Roxon on the kind of opposite end of the spectrum. He's fast, but he's not winning. He's just yeah. there. He's running Finishing on the podium, finishing some force. To me, we see here, we, we saw it two weeks ago with this last corner pass, and it's just 
one of those things, if he can get over the hump and get a win, I feel like he'll kind of get on a streak. He's the only guy that can really match Eli when it comes to raw speed, but you know, in Supercross, all it takes is one small mistake, and whether it's throwing the race away or crashing big where you injure yourself, it's something that can take you out of the whole season. I mean, we see it this weekend, Justin Barsha crashed in testing, and he's in, in uh, concussion protocol. He's going to miss this weekend. So it's one little mistake like that that can end your whole season. So if you can get that consistency from Roxon with Eli, that'd be a force to be reckoned with. It would be. Or just, yeah, a little <laughs> bit of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every Thursday, we recognize our Global Motorsports Star of the Week. Say that really fast. Go ahead, no, right now. Global well, Motorsports Star of the Thank Week. Thank you. I and got we'll it. We'll stay with Monster Energy Supercross, where 250 class rider Austin Forkner has had a perfect start to the season. The 20-year-old from Missouri has swept all three races so far in the East Division of the 250 class. So, I mean, AJ, there you've got speed and consistency. I mean, he is doing everything right. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because if you watch him in practice, we see it here. He's He's got a 13-point lead over Jordan Smith and a 15-point lead over Justin Cooper. You really... In practice, you talk about full tilt. He wrecks every weekend in practice. I mean, he crashes at least <laughs> once or twice during practice to find that limit, and then he gets into the races and he brings it back just enough. And when we say he's undefeated, he's literally undefeated because he hasn't lost a heat race. He didn't hasn't lost any main. He was the only rider so far since they did this triple crown format starting last year in either class to win all three mains. So right now, he is on it. Yeah, before That's you incredible. jump, when, tell us how that works again. Because for people, it used to always be you just had that that sort of big event at Vegas, and that was it at the end of the year. Now they sort of have these all-star Yeah, so they, they started uh, a couple years ago, or two years ago, back in 2018, and the fact that they started this triple crown race where it's just three main events. You take the, take the lowest points total, and that's the overall winner. And then with the, uh, the 250, they used to always do in Vegas the, the east-west shootout. Right. And that's where both coast riders would come in to meet for one race. Well, they do it a couple of times now a year. So uh, it makes it fun to watch. Last year was the first time they really combined the 250 East and West Coast for a couple of different races. So you see the best from, from both regions go out there and get after it. And, uh, you know, these are the, the future stars of, of the 450 class. And, you know, if we're going to relate this back to NASCAR sort of stuff, it's like their Xfinity series. This guy reminds me a lot of like Christopher Bell. You know, a guy yeah. that's showing out there, winning yeah. races, just puts it all on the line. It doesn't matter if he wrecks in practice or gets a car damaged. He's going to find a way to win it. For sure. It's awesome. I just figured out why. He's from Missouri. Oh, okay. It's the show me state. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got you. I, I, knew, I kind of got what okay, you're doing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Some big news <laughs> from the world of IndyCar and the greatest spectacle in racing. We will bring you that next. Welcome back. The month of May in Indianapolis is getting even more intense as IndyCar has announced major changes to the schedule for Indy 500 qualifying weekend on May 18th and 19th. Here is how it goes. On Saturday, May 18th, drivers will try to make the fast nine shootout that determines the pole winner and positions 10 through 30 will be locked into the field. Then Sunday, May 19th, NBC will have the fast nine shootout and a new last row shootout, which sets the final three spots in the field. A full field practice session will then follow on NBCSN. All right, we're going to discuss that in just a moment. But Clawson Marshall Racing hopes to be part of the field this May. Yesterday, the USAC team announced its first ever Indy 500 entry for British driver Pippa Mann. The team is co-owned by Tim Clawson, father of late sprint car star and three-time Indy 500 starter 
Brian Clausen. That will be special indeed. And this year's Indy 500 marks the 50th anniversary of Mario Andretti's Indy win in 69. Today, Mario is celebrating his 79th birthday. And as his grandson Marco mentioned on Twitter, well, that means it's Mario's twin brother, Aldo's birthday as well. We wish them both all the best. And here's what the birthday boy tweeted after getting some champagne from his good friend, AJ Foyt. Aww. That is cool. That's awesome. I know. Happy birthday, Mario, for sure. That's much bigger than National Chili Day. Yeah. The 999 yes. special. I mean, that's, that's big. Mario Andretti, legend. Yeah. I mean, I mean so it, 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 period. It, it, if you're a race car driver, <laughs> I mean, you, you, no matter your era, you have to look up to Mario Andretti because he could no. wheel absolutely anything. I know. No doubt. I know. So let's go back to those the, the qualifying changes uh, for the Indy 500. What do you guys think, or how can a fan, if they're if they're watching that, just seeing all the words on the screen, what does it mean? It really means that on Sunday is is your action-packed day. Uh, you know, as we see here, you know the fa the whole thing is is trying to qualify for the Indy 500. Is if you have a car that you feel like you can compete for the pole, you're trying to get in the fast nine on Saturday, so you can go rerun on Sunday, and that determines the first three rows. And as we see here, 10 through 30 are locked in the field. Where last year. Bump day was on Saturday, and that whole buildup was only for the Fast 9 on Sunday. So now we kind of are setting the stage for this dramatic thing between whether you're trying to go for the pole on Sunday or you're just trying to make the race. And the rumors that I'm hearing and talking to some of the IndyCar people and teams is the fact that there may be 37 to 38 wow. cars entered for the Indianapolis 500. So there, this bump day... Could be back to what it used to be. You know, we saw Pippa Man announce her ride. We also, Sage Karam today, yeah. announced his ride with uh, Dreyer Reinbolt Racing. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be his sixth attempt for the wow. Indianapolis 500. And you've done it before. There is no more nerve-wracking, intense qualifying, I believe personally, in the world than for the Indy 500. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's incredible TV. It's must-watch TV, to, and I can't to, imagine doing to it. To try to to put into words, just doing four laps around Indy wide open. I remember my my last attempt, I was in the fast nine and I had to put my left foot <laughs> over my right foot on my last lap because my car was so loose and I was like, you can't lift. And you just, whether it's going for the pole or unfortunately you see the heartbreak like James Hinchcliffe had last year yep. of not making the biggest race of the year. Uh, you know, but that's what Indy's all about. And that's what we need to get back to is, is whether it's going for pole or just trying to make the race. To be in that race is something special. And you bring up James Hinchcliffe. It's almost every year we see some star, some big team has the heartbreak of not making it. And you also see the incredible battle for the pole. When I remember Sebastian Bourdais with that wreck. Yeah. I mean, he was on it for the pole. It's just an incredible TV, as I said, must watch. You got to check it out. All right. So that's May 18th and 19th. And this reminder, Sunday, March 10th, yeah, not May, March 10th, the green flag drops on the 2019 IndyCar season from St. Petersburg. There you see that. And this May, again, the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500 is on NBC, the new exclusive home of IndyCar. Las Vegas is the place for all kinds of racing this week. Last night, the World of Outlaws hit the dirt track at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and they had plenty of star power in the field. You had Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Casey Kane, and Rico Abreu joining the Outlaw regulars, and they are all back at it later tonight. It's going to be a good crowd for that. Also racing tonight on the dirt in Las Vegas, the NASCAR K&N Pro Series West, which opens its 2019 season. All eyes are on 17-year-old Haley Deegan, who made history last year as the first female driver ever to win in the series. 
Vegan finished second last year in Vegas to Sheldon Creed, who's now in the truck series. You see her there celebrating her win, which I think was what? Uh, Meridian? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yep. So entering tonight, she said, this weekend if I don't win, because Sheldon Creed was fast last time, really fast, but since he's not going to be there, I have to win now anything else I'm going to be disappointed with. That's a lot of pressure. It is. Wow, to put on yourself. But you know what's impressive about Hallie is that she she has shown a tremendous amount of speed in a lot of different disciplines in the K&N series, and I've had to watch a lot of those races, commentate on them, and I've been very impressed by that. And I think, you know, she says a lot, a lot that she wants to be a race car driver, not that happens to be a girl. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of places I watch her race, and I would think if that was a guy or a girl, I'd be impressed with the speed. So I think she does an incredible job, and it's cool to see her be so fast on dirt, as we see her doing right now a dirt sprint car, because I think that's something that not many people expected out of her. And then she goes out there and has this incredible speed on dirt, so it'd be very fitting to win that race in the dirt. Yeah, and, and you know, her dad is done such a, a great job getting her in so many different types of vehicles you know she's racing the lucas oil off-road racing series yep. and so she's got a background in dirt we just saw videos of her running a sprint car so it's one of those things that you know Haley deegan isn't just hey i, I can drive stock cars yeah. and that's yeah. it she can kind of wheel anything and uh, it's fun to watch her progress because i feel like she's got so much talent and in so many different varieties of of motorsports that she can go do so uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how she kind of keeps moving up through the ranks. But the big thing is what Brian, her dad, yep. is doing such a great job of. They're not rushing it. It's yep. not like, okay, you did K&N. Let's go put you in Xfinity now. You're ready to go. So they're not rushing her to, to move up quick, which is the right thing to do. And, well, she ahead. just did a great job with social media, too. On yeah. top of all this, she has a huge social media following. I think she's great for the sport, so yeah. I'm excited to watch and her as well. because this is the Motorsports Hour, of course, Brian Deegan, if, if you're not familiar with that name, grew up racing on two wheels. Yes. Uh, so, militia. Yeah. yeah. So And, and uh, by the way, that, that race is tonight, the K&N uh, West Series gets its season started, but you will see it here on NBCSN next Tuesday, March 5th at 6 p.m., so right after NASCAR America. Right after, maybe Kyle Petty will sing a song. Oh, that's on Wednesdays. Yeah. He does that. Motorman. Watch that. That's, yeah. <laughs> but there'll be, uh, you just never know Can what you you're going to get on this show. Before we go, we do want to get to our fantasy picks for Sunday. AJ and Parker's rosters are ready. If yours isn't, don't worry, you can go to rotoworld.com slash NASCAR. Dan Beaver's fantasy live notes for Las Vegas are up now. They can definitely help you out. A lot of trends, a lot of things to look for. So let's go ahead and look at AJ's picks. Parker, these are the great picks right here. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I agree with You're going to see three, four drivers. Harvick, you know, we talked about it. Boyer's his speed yeah. last week. Joey Logano, you know, Kyle Busch, that's a home racetrack, and, and Kyle Larson was was pretty good. I did not have you as my garage I, 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 they, I said, they you changed that. At what point did you <laughs> notice that, though? He did not. I, really not. Ignore it, right? <laughs> uh, I did you notice it right away? No, I just ignore his face. So I, uh, I said last week it must have been a mistake that I was picked. I yeah. didn't, you know what, bud? Uh, thanks for the confidence. Look what I got here. I got Martin Truex Jr. He's my uh, Toyota guy besides myself. I also got Brad Kozlowski, as we said. I got his teammate, Joe Logano. Kyle Larson, you showed a tremendous You really picked yourself, yourself again? You and I took myself again. You, hey, new package. You, you never did, look at You it. didn't learn from last week? And then I got Kevin in the garage because, you know, he'll he'll be good, and I won't have the chance to put him in, so, so what, he'll stay there. So is there a chance that you know you're, you're struggling and you park it to get this Kevin in? This conversation between these yeah. two Possibly. will actually we'll continue well into yeah. the night. They might still be talking next Thursday when we're back with you. Our thanks to Joao Barbosa for joining us in the studio today. Have a great weekend. Thank you. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.